You are listening to the sermon podcast of International Lutheran Church in Seoul, South Korea. I'm Pastor Chuck Hoffman. When I was in college, I had a friend, a classmate named Aaron. And I met Aaron at the music school. I was a music student and he was as well my first year. He played the piano. And Aaron was very talented. Uh, He played very beautifully. He was also a very devout Christian. And uh, I had just become a Christian my first year. So he kind of was a big brother in the faith to me. He guided me a little bit. I was very impressed with how well he knew the Bible. Uh, He was from a denomination called Plymouth Brethren, and they're a very uh, small group of believers, uh, but they really focus on the scriptures. And so he would carry a Bible on him at all times. It was in his cargo pants uh, pocket right on his hip. And any time I had a question, he always knew exactly where to look in the Bible. He'd just pull that Bible out and he'd open right to the correct chapter and verse. Aaron told me one time about a miracle that had happened in his life when he was younger. He had come down with a very severe rheumatoid arthritis as a teenager. It was so severe that he had to stop playing the piano, and then it eventually got worse and worse, even to the point where he was unable to get out of bed for several hours in the morning, sometimes even four or five hours until his body finally was loose enough to even get out of bed. They took him to the Mayo Clinic, which is one of the most famous hospitals in all of America, and they were unable to find any kind of combination of drugs that would relieve the symptoms. Now, as I said, his whole family was Christian, and they were very uh, biblical in their orientation. So they knew that the Bible said this in the book of James. It says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. That's from James chapter 5. And so they did just that. They called the elders of their church. They came over to Aaron's house. They anointed his head with oil and they prayed over him. And in fact, he was healed. The rheumatoid arthritis left him. Just last year, one of my pastor friends who is serving a church in Sacramento, California. He received one of those phone calls that would just stab at the heart of any parent. He heard that his son had been climbing a tree very high up, 20 or 30 feet high in a redwood tree, and he fell out of the tree. He fell so far that he easily could have died, but this son of his, who was about 11 years old, he was taken to the hospital, rushed there. They performed the normal tests, x-rays. 
and they found that his back was broken in several places. Of course, him and his wife, they were devastated. They were so worried for their son. And he began to pray. The whole church, it went out on social media. Many, many hundreds of people were praying for this boy. The following day, they did another x-ray and they found there were no breaks anymore. It was all gone. And he walked out of the hospital on that day. The doctors were completely shocked. They had no explanation for how he could be healed so quickly. The pastor uh, shared that on Facebook again a few months ago. And I had forgotten about it, but I remembered it happening a year ago. It was truly a miracle, and the doctors were shocked. Now, these two stories of miraculous healing, they stick with me because, I mean, I hear a lot of stories of miracles, but in these two cases, I knew the people very well, and they weren't the kind of people that would make up stories like these, and they weren't the kind of people that would confuse a a natural healing with a miraculous one. So those stories stick with me. I do believe that God has the power to perform miracles, and I do believe that he still does from time to time. But what I want to share with you this morning is that signs have a purpose. They're merciful to the one who receives the miracle, but there is an even greater purpose at work. The sign or the miracle points to the validity of the truth behind them. They point to the validity of the message of the gospel. And that's actually why Jesus performed miracles in the first place. He wasn't doing them for fun or to show off or to attract a crowd or a group of people. In fact, it wasn't his mission to heal everyone. There were many hundreds or even thousands of people that never got a healing. The signs and the miracles were meant to do one thing. Confirm that Jesus had come from the Father and therefore confirm the message that he came with. So Nicodemus, this, this man, this leader, this Jewish scholar, religious scholar, powerful man, part of the council that ruled, he came to Jesus because of the signs that Jesus had performed. This is what he said to him when he first greeted Jesus. He said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God because no one could do the signs that you do if God were not with him. So the miracles opened the door to the truth. But there's still just the door. You can't remain in the doorway. You need to enter into that more important thing into the truth that the miracles point toward. So Jesus immediately points him away from the miracles that he was referring to and points him toward a deeper spiritual truth. Jesus answers him saying, Truly, truly, unless one is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Being born again is being made alive, being born of God through faith. And this process itself is a miracle. 
The Holy Spirit is the one who accomplishes this. We are all born physically. That's a fact. Naturally, we are all brought into this world. But coming to faith is then like a second birth. It's entering a new world. It's entering the world that truly matters. I know sometimes we get stuck on miracles. We get fascinated by them. We ask questions. They lead to a lot of questions. But Jesus was always trying to get people to look uh, past the signs and the miracles and instead look to the more important spiritual truth, being connected to God the Father through faith in the Son of God. Jesus was always pointing to the forgiveness of sins. So, for example, if a, if a physician, if a doctor heals someone, they'll probably point to some tests and say, look, we've confirmed the disease is gone, or we've confirmed the bone is all healed up. You are healed, is what the physician would say. But that's not what Jesus would say to people when he healed them. He often said, your sins are forgiven. The healing was pointing to something greater. So if we focus on miracles themselves, often we are bound to be disappointed. They lead to questions like, why this person? Why not that person? Or why not sooner? Why later? Or why never? Or why don't I get a miracle? Is it because I lack faith? Or is it because God loves this person more than that person or more than me? If we focus on the miracle, it will lead to questions that do not have answers. We end up with these questions when we seek the gift instead of seeking the giver. Now, I don't mean to say that it's wrong to pray for miraculous healing. I, if I have a family member who is sick, I'm going to pray for healing however I can get it. I'll pray for healing naturally, that the body just restores itself, or healing through the gift of modern medicine and science and all that that has given us, which I truly believe is miraculous. Or I will pray also for an unexplainable healing from God. I'll ask for all of it. But in the process, I will try to not stop seeking God and only seek the healing. I will try to seek God in the pain and in the suffering. See what I can learn, how I can grow closer in my relationship to my Savior, even through illness or tragedy. I will praise the Lord in all things. So Jesus tries to explain to Nicodemus what he's talking about here with this spiritual birth. He says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. As I said before, we are all born naturally. Our mothers delivered us into this world. This already is a miracle too, if you think about it. We all began as just one cell. The complexity of life, being able to see and hear and taste in just 40 weeks. This is flesh giving birth to flesh. Then coming to faith is the second birth, being born again. The Greek there can also be translated as being born from above. The Spirit gives birth to Spirit. 
If you are to live life in its complete fullness, as God intended, then you can only get this through the second birth, which happens through the Spirit, being born of faith. And it is God who does it. So Jesus said, um, you know, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness and the Israelites looked to that for salvation, he says, so I'm also going to be lifted up. And he's referring to his death on the cross, being lifted up in a humiliating way in front of everybody. And if we were to look at that with eyes of flesh, we would um, look at that with scorn. It's a curse for a man to hang up on a cross in front of people like that and be killed. But if we look with eyes of faith, we see something else. We see God in his glory. We see the Son of Man raised up for us to save us, to forgive us. Faith, then, is the greatest miracle of all. Nothing else even compares healing or the other gifts of the Holy Spirit, what we talked about last week at Pentecost, speaking in tongues, prophecy, all of those things, those are nice. But all of those are meant to point to the one true miracle, which is faith in the Son of God and forgiveness of sins through His name. And that's what Trinity Sunday is about too. The Father sent the Son. His works confirmed that He was sent by the Father. Then he dies for us, and the Holy Spirit confirms that faith in our hearts, builds our faith. That is what he does, and that is what we seek. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.